I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey guys, we are back with another podcast, and it is your commissioner, Nick Weir, and I am joined by my two fateful sidekicks or something like that, Daniel Weber and Nick Ruth. How's it going, guys? Dan, what's, what's up? up? What's up, brother? How you doing tonight, buddy? You know, I, I can't complain. There's there's no snow outside. and Oh, don't say the four-letter S word, dude. We're still trying to get around. It's hockey season. I get it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we're getting ready to make this final push into fantasy football playoffs. I'm thinking about golf to try and get me through. Let's just keep that four-letter S word out of our vocabulary. True. I, I scraped by with a win this week. Uh, it was. I don't know how I did it, but I'll just take that and I got to enjoy it. So, good point. Um, Nick, Mr. Ruth, how are you doing? Doing good. Another week. I lost another running back. Damien Williams looks like he broke a rib, so that's exciting. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's got to be a good thing. I feel like if you make it through a week, week healthy, you're just going to, I don't know, fail and I who knows. I don't juju. know if I've gone a week without losing somebody, so it's... Yeah. you got to sacrifice someone to the gods. Yeah. To I mean, require like a virtual points, sacrifice. So All about the it. fantasy gods. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, this was a pretty crazy week when you look at the scoring side of things. I think the outcomes were kind of all what we expected, except for maybe the the Zane and Chris game. But the scoring outputs were all maybe different than we thought would happen. For the record, the pick as we hashtag forecast, as we went through, uh, you and Mr. Ruth went five and one in Pick'em, and I won a perfect six and zero. Oh. This is one of the better weeks that we've had as far as Pick'em, and the only game you guys missed was the Zane and Chris game. Mm. Well, kudos to you for knowing that matchup, and that's right, guys. We have stats. Try not to get too excited now. We have some stats for the Pick'ems. Um, anyways, though, let's jump right into the meat and potatoes of this podcast and talk about two trades that went down both involved our good friend chris and you know it's after many many weeks it seems like he's finally ready to be active in this league and uh, for many people that's a welcome sight to see um the first trade involves chris and kevin and that trade was kevin giving up cam newton justice hill kiki kuti a 2020 third round draft pick that is Chris's. Um, and then Chris gave up Tevin Coleman and Todd Gurley. Um, together, I think there's like, what is that? Eight knees or something in this or some sort of weird joke for Kim and Todd Gurley's injured issues. I don't know what I'm trying to get here. So one of you guys save me. What are your thoughts on this deal? I'll start in. Um, so I ran through my trade calculator, like I said, not exact science, perfectly even trade. <laughs> so I'm going to lean slightly towards Kevin, just younger running backs that have proven Newton's up in the air. You could argue the same for Gurley. Those two as the center stones is taking a lottery ticket. Um, you hope you hit. Justice Hill's a great piece, getting his third back, so an early third as we've seen, the third round hit some gold this year, a.k.a. Terry McLaurin. <laughs> um, and Tevin Coleman, that's a scary situation. you got three to four backs that are producing. So it, it certainly helps Kevin in the now. Newton's on IR. Obviously, it helps him in the now. But I can see it being a decent trade piece if you look at Chris's side. He's got a quarterback that has MVP ceiling, 
Um, I, I'm going to go with my calculator. I think it's pretty freaking even. Maybe a yeah. slight edge, Kevin. I, I think it's a very interesting trade tier, too. Uh, I think when you look at it, it's whose knees are going to be better, Todd Gurley's or Camden's, and I think that's a fun little piece to it. The other question becomes is, is Kiki Kuti's under contract of 2021. Ironically, so is Kenny Stills. And if you're Houston, who are you going to put a little bit more faith in? I think you put a little bit more faith in Kenny Stills. Um, I, Kenny Stills is a little bit more proven. Justice Hill is, again, playing behind two two backs in, in Edwards and Mark Ingram. And now the question becomes, is, is Tevin Coleman going to, when when Jarek McKinnon comes back, lose touches? I don't think he's going to lose touches to Jarek McKinnon. I think Tevin Coleman's the the ideal back in that uh, San Francisco offense. So, yeah, Eileen, I, I think Kevin gets a little bit better at this trade. But if Cam Newton can come back and be uh, a small piece or a larger piece of who Cam Newton used to be and only lose a small little chunk out of what he was, I, I see the benefit in acquiring a guy like Cam Newton, especially in a super flex 2QB league. So you, you brought up a good, great point, Dan. Cam Newton and his health. Um, I mean, we're not experts, but we do have two doctors in the league, and one doctor just traded for Cam Newton. So I think that's all the evidence we need. Cam Newton's going to be fine, right? We right. have two doctors? The well, fuck? one doctor and a doctor to be. But does, anyway, haunt, haunt. Does, does a foot doctor actually constitute as a doctor? <laughs> I think it's more of just making your fetish a profession. Well, you know, we can devote an entire podcast to that. Anyways, though, my question for you guys is, the Cam Newton stuff, he looked awful this year to start. Um, He was clearly injured. But the question is, I mean, if Cam doesn't have the ability to run and be, you know, a power-running quarterback, can he still be viable? I mean, how are you guys feeling about Cam next season and what he can bring to the table. I think he has some viability. I think he's got to learn that he can't do it all with his legs, which means his passing has to improve a little bit. But at this point, I'm going to cut you off there. At this point, though, is there anything that Cam's done to give you optimism that he can be viable without his feet? 100%. Yeah, other than he's an athlete. He has a running back that he can do touch passes to. Doesn't even really need to throw it. And the guy will get... 200 all-purpose yards so yes he has christian mccaffrey on his team i think even if the guy can't even move a la left witch at marshall he's viable with mccaffrey he's he's an athlete i think i think athleticism and who he is a heisman trophy winner the guy taking care of business i think if he has the ability just to stand there and throw the ball in the pocket and develop his skills a little bit more yes i think he has absolute viability so i mean just to follow that up with that, um, for every year, or Cam Newton's been in the league for, let's see, three, six, eight, nine years. We're not going to count this year. So for eight years, and in those eight years, he has averaged over 600 yards rushing along with um, seven yards rush or seven touchdowns rushing. So 600 yards rushing and seven touchdowns per rushing year? per year. That is what he's averaged at a minimum. Fucking Lord. So I mean, but I guess the question is though, I get he's got he's got you know Christian McCaffrey. He's got the best running back in the league. But if he can't run and he can't give you like that production, I mean, look at Lamar Jackson for that matter. Look how successful he's been this year, and that is due to what he can bring in the running game. And that's even he's like a Cam Newton on steroids in that aspect. So I mean. I guess I'm a little more reluctant than you guys are in terms of his viability as a fantasy producer if he if where he doesn't have his his feet right and able to run. So let me ask you a question here, and I'm gonna do a little research once I once I put myself on mute and you guys start talking when I ask this question. If you had to directly compare him to a quarterback that plays in the NFL currently, who would you say is the most comparable quarterback to him? In terms of him at his peak, or like at his... Or him currently. Either one. I mean, you can you can take your pick here. I mean, at his peak, I mean, Josh Allen is like a mold of what Cam Newton once was in his prime. Um, but I mean, if he doesn't have... I mean, Nick, would you agree with that? I would say he's more accurate, which is really just a knock on Josh Allen. Yeah. Okay, so, so I pulled that up. So Josh Allen threw the year and a half that he's been in the league is a 56.5 has a 56.5 completion percentage 
Um, he is averaging 3.6 touchdown percentage per year and a 3% interception percentage per year. Cam Newton is a 59.6% passer with a 4.6% touchdown to a 2.7% interception. So Newton's stats are actually better than Josh Allen's. Obviously, there's more statistics as part of it, but it's an it's a very interesting comparison. I would say <laughs> you said current player, but I'd say my best comp is probably, oh, who's the old Philly quarterback? Donovan McNabb. I think that's your best comp. Yeah, I mean, they're both black, so I would agree with that. <laughs> it's just terrible. Okay, thank you, for, I mean, thank you for pulling that time. I'll go ahead and save you off on this right now. Okay, so in Philadelphia, he was a 59% completion, which is Newton's a 59.6. Donovan McNabb, 4.6% touchdowns, 2.1% interceptions with Philadelphia. Cam Newton at that point in time is at a 4.6 and a 2.7, so almost identical statistics. Call me amazing. <laughs> He wasn't quite the rusher, though, that Cam Newton was. In Madden, he was, but yes, I agree. <laughs> but, if you, but if you remove the rushing piece to it and he learns the pass from the pocket, my, I mean, my, no. my debate is, like, yes, I, these things will go up. I think, I think if he learns the pass from the pocket, he's a very viable individual that can throw the ball and make this happen. I'm going to go I'm, exhibit A, Mitchell Trubisky. They wanted to take away his running and make him a pocket passer. You can't do that with some people. Oh, I'll take Newton over Trubisky every day. Oh, well, yeah. No shit. But, like, you can't just – I don't know. I, I think it's a little bit naive to think that you could just be like, oh, yeah, Cam Newton can't run anymore. Let's make him a great passer. It's not like basketball where you see, like, some players lose their athleticism and they become maybe a sh- shooter, a spot-up shooter. That's one thing. But for a quarterback, like, I feel like you either have it or you don't. And you don't just magically get that when you're – 32 years old or whatever cam's going to be next year um i to, to go back to this trade i mean to get off this cam newton like tangent i don't love it that much for chris just because you know i i guess cam newton might concern me a little bit more than Gurley, and i think for a rebuilding team i'm not sure if i would want to hitch my wagon to someone like cam after giving up Gurley. so that's that's where i'm kind of at with it We'll, we'll let that settle then. Yeah, that works. I mean, the only thing I go is Cam Newton, the only stats I have in front of me is last two years. Mm-hmm. He was 2018 um, through week 11. Actually, I'll go full season. Ready? Full season. Cam Newton was quarterback 13. So just out of the quarterback one. Um, then you go 2017. He was quarterback two. 2016 was his MVP year, right? Yes. He's a quarterback one if he's healthy. And in in a two-quarterback super flex league, you can't act for much more. His ceiling is MVP. If he loses his legs, his floor is Mitchell Trubisky. But if he keeps his leg, his floor is still a quarterback one. As we're seeing with Lamar Jackson, running quarterbacks are broken. Lamar Jackson is on pace to have more points this year than Mahomes had last year. And that's, I'm going to say, 90% based on Lamar Jackson averaging like 80 yards rushing a game. 80% pulled out of my ass, but rushing quarterbacks are broken. I said it once, I'll say it again. If your quarterback can maintain 50, that's five free points every week compared to 150 passing yards if they run for 50 yards it's it it's raises an your advantage. so much mm-hmm. i mean i mean but you look at 2018 he was a 67.9 percent passing quarterback with that he had 471 yards on the ground you take away those 471 yards on the ground in 14 games this way again he's still throwing the ball very efficiently from the pocket he's taking care of business 24 touchdowns 13 interceptions that wasn't even his highest one that was actually his tied er, tied for third lowest in years that he's been in the league in career interceptions I, I 180 first downs that he passed for that was the second most in his career he's learning to pass from the pocket but that's because they have to respect his run. 
they're shadowing him. There's one less person in coverage. They're shadowing him. There's one less person blitzing. The fact that he can run and the defense knows he can run changes his game. The Bears cannot throw the ball. The defense is putting 11 people in the box. What a quarterback does completely dictates what the defense does. I, I think if he has the ability to complete passes at that percentage, he has to play guys out of the box, which makes other players on his team that much more effective. I think Cam Newton has the ability to do it. Fair enough. Um, let's pivot to a different side of this trade, though. Um, Kevin, I mean, he's not starting Cam Newton this year. He's not starting Kiki Kuti this year. He's not using the draft pick this year or this immediate moment. Justice Hill isn't getting the starting time at this point. He's not relevant. He basically... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Traded people that he's not even using for Todd Gurley and Tevin Coleman. How much does this help Kevin as the playoffs come closer? Oh, it's are you massive. scared of him, Kevin? Oh, it's are, massive. are you scared of him, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. I think this puts Kevin as arguably one of the top two teams in the league with myself. I think right now, and again, I can be biased at part of this, I think Kevin and I are the two most dangerous teams in this league. I, I don't know. It, it helps Kevin, obviously. Like you said, none of those pieces were helping him this year. Gurley, if he played like he did Monday, gets 20 or Sunday gets 25 touches, has his most yards ever in a first quarter in his career, yeah, he looks viable. But that's just not how they've been using him. And are they going to use him going forward? They need to do a hard push to make the playoffs, so maybe. Then you look at Tevin Coleman, who's part of a four-headed monster. Literally any running back that goes into a Shanahan system is a pro bowler, best running back in the league. That zone run, zone block is amazing. I It makes him better, obviously. I don't know if it catapults him as much as Dan said. Considering his running back core was his strength already, I, it helps him, but I don't think it moves the needle too much for me just because Gurley is an unknown and scary. Yeah, for me, I mean, I think it didn't address Kevin's biggest weakness at this point, which is probably quarterback. Um, his or at least his quarterback play is inconsistent. Long term, it looks great, but this year, I'm not so sure about it. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think Gurley has a floor of like an RB two, which is incredibly valuable. As at the very least, I know Nick and I would probably take on a regular basis um, this year. Um, and that's going to help in the playoffs. So I don't know if I would say Kevin's the favorite or anything like that, but he's a dangerous team in the playoffs, and I would not want to face him. That's all I'll say, I guess. All right. Um, the next trade also involved Chris and also involved a quarterback. He's just playing a little Russian roulette with quarterbacks, it, it feels. Um, anyways, Jer gave up. Marquez Valdez Scantling and a 2021 second round draft pick that is owned by Flash Gordon. And Chris gave up Ben Roethlisberger. How are you guys feeling about this one? I mean, you've got maybe a year or two left of Ben. So he's shipping an old piece for, in my eyes, a lottery wide receiver. I don't, I don't personally like the fit for him. With Rodgers, it looks like Rodgers kind of has gone away from him. He's been one of the only healthy wide receivers and hasn't been putting up the numbers. And then a late third-round pick. 
Um, I mean, it's who's who do you want more? Do you want the old dying quarterback? Do you want a lottery pick and a draft pick? For a rebuilding team, I completely understand moving Big Ben. Um, I lean a little bit towards Jer just because his quarterback situation was so terrible that this actually gives him upside. But you could talk me into liking either side of this trade. Yeah, I think it's an interesting piece. I think Jerry gets an upgrade in his quarterback situation. Big Ben's under contract through 2021, so he's going to get the opportunities. He's obviously better than Mason Rudolph for any unconcussed quarterback that hasn't been hit in the head with a helmet as we as we progress through this season. Um, I think it's a good move. I think the the second round pick is a is a good piece. I'm not the biggest MVS fan. Uh, I'm with Mr. Ruth where he, where it's not he's not he's grown apart from Rodgers. I think it's an overall very even trade. I think Jerry has a small upside to it depending on how the second round pick pans out. Yeah, I guess I'm going to be more bold. I really like the move for Jerry. Um, I think quarterbacks, as we've seen or will continue to see, are very, very difficult to um, find and keep and, you know, start. And, yeah, he's managed to luck into someone or some this year in terms of Kyle Allen and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he needed more quarterbacks um, after Derek Carr. And I think Big Ben is, you know, a great bet for, you know, Jerry and his, you know, the future of his team. Um, I'm with you guys. I don't think MVS is a guy. Um, I think he's had opportunities and he just hasn't done anything with them. I know he's still young. He's in his second year. And who knows, maybe the quote unquote third year breakout will be a thing for him. But I am not feeling very optimistic. Um, maybe Chris is, though. Um, and then the second round draft pick, I mean, I think that's... It's a 2021, so it's two years from now. He's not going to realize that value of that for a little bit. And I think it's a it's a good risk on Jerry's side of things. For Chris, I don't hate it, but it's, I don't know. I, I just don't love it. It's it's an interesting trade here. Again, it's, it's the future is the murkiest piece of this when you go through and you you know not to not to jump into the Christmas theme, but the the ghost of Christmas future. Um, you know you kind of hope you you see what you want to see, but typically when you go to the future, sometimes it's not always what you want it to be. So it, living in the the mist of optimism and hope is an interesting piece. And judging by the uh, abundance of silence, I've confused everyone and their mother with the Christmas reference, and I win. No, I I get it. I just I just don't know how long Big Ben has. He had basically a quasi Tommy John pitchers it takes about a year and a half to recover yeah, from you. It wasn't I looked it up, so it wasn't full Tommy John. It was something similar to Tommy John, um, but it's significantly less impactful from a rehab statistic. Alright. Well, I mean he's still thirty seven. And his body's beat to shit. I mean, he's Big Ben. Mm -hmm. He constantly gets hits every year. He's notorious for not going down. Dra people draped over him throwing. So his body's beat to shit. Um, I just don't know how long he has, and I think that's the biggest hang-up. And if you're trying to rebuild, moving a 37-year-old quarterback, I think, for a lottery pick and a draft pick, you can't knock it. But like I said, you could talk me either side of this trade. Yeah, so as of October 1st, Roethlisberger confirms to the Gazette he is 100% on track to be ready for OTAs in May and does not plan to retire. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, for Jer, I 100% get the move. It's a position. If there's a position in the league that you can afford, I think, to gamble on, I think it's a quarterback. Yeah, Big Ben's getting up there in age, but... He, when he's on and he's healthy, he's pretty much a top 10-ish fantasy quarterback, and that's very attractive. Yeah, I, I mean, Jerry's taken himself from arguably not having a starting quarterback at some point in time to having Derek Carr, Nick Foles, um, and then uh, a big Ben going into next year. So he's got three starting quarterbacks potentially, maybe four depending on what Kyle Allen and the, and the Carolina Panthers go. And Fitzmagic. Can't forget him. Kyle Allen is terrible. If they get rid he of is. Cam and yeah, play Kyle Allen, know. 
Carolina should burn in hell. I think it's only a matter of time before it's the Will Greer show. But for Chris, I get it. I mean, selling a 37-year-old quarterback, like Nick said, makes sense. Um, And who knows? You've been wrong on a lot of thoughts and moves. And maybe MBS is going to prove us all wrong and break out at the end of this year or next year. Yep. Third round, we did draw, or third year breakout, we did drop Adams in another league before his third year, and we see how that went. So it could be a thing in Green Bay that the third years where Rogers trusts him. There's something in the cheese up there. Is it Pepper Jack or Swiss? <laughs> you know, whatever those Packers like. Cheddar is better. <laughs> All right, well, any thoughts on either of these trades before we move on? No, I think they're they're both they're both relatively even. I like them both. Yeah, I think this one's pretty even. The first one, I'll, I'll go on record though. I, I like it a lot more for Kevin. Um I guess before we move on, I mean, Chris is clearly wheeling and dealing. Um as a reminder, the trade deadline is Thanksgiving Day before the start of the Bears and Lions game, which is the first game of the the week. Um, So you got to get your trades in before then. Otherwise, you're going to be waiting until after the playoffs. Is there a player on Chris's roster that you think needs to be moved or he needs to prioritize to get out the door before this trade deadline? Um, Since he's clearly accepted he's rebuilding and he's going down that route. I think a fun one could be T.Y. Hilton. I think there's a couple additional pieces, especially teams potentially looking for a running back. That could be interesting. Yeah, he's had some injury. Is he going to be back this week? Um, He's a non-participant as of today. Okay. Uh, I would say maybe not today, maybe not this week as I own him in another league, but definitely week 13 would be more than likely. Um, And then that's the big push for the playoffs. But I think T.Y. Hilton could be a very interesting piece um, that could potentially be moved. Yeah, just looking at his roster, um, I guess the two main pieces I would try and move, probably LaShawn McCoy, um, KCC, running back. <laughs> it's murky. It's a really, I have the other piece of it. It's a system that sucks. You just hope you get the right guy. But older running back, and everyone and their mother knows they're repl- they're going to probably have their future running back in this pick, or this draft. So he's pretty much good for this year, and that's all she wrote. Um, another piece I could see, Greg Olson, another situation where a tight end up there in age, you don't know how many years he has, and he's viable this year, so any competing team, I'm sure, would be interested. Yeah, for me, it's it's Greg Olson. I think that's the poster boy. He's getting up in there in age, too, and um, he's clearly involved in this offense, and even though Kyle Allen sucks, he still manages to get the ball to... Craig on a routine basis so that would definitely be if I didn't have far too many tight ends I would definitely be very interested in him and if I was tight and needy that would be someone I would want pretty bad on my team and going back to that trade deadline the first game kicks off at 11:30 a.m central time so a little bit sooner than what the the noon is so definitely probably going to be a busy time leading up until that point Thank you, Statboy. We appreciate your help. Hey, man, that's what I'm here for. I got like six or seven browser windows open on two screens. I'm living the dream over here. Only six or seven? I've got like 30. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, you have one screen. I'm rocking two. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, All right, so we're going to move on to the matchups of the week, and this is a pretty intense week, actually. It's for four teams. It's kind of a pseudo-playoff week. It's winner-go-home time. It's, It's crunch time. Um... We're going to start things off with the easier matchups and work our way up to the first ever two matchups of the week. Um, So let's start things off with the gimmies, I guess. And we'll start with my team versus Sam's team. My eyes, the goggles do nothing versus American Psycho. I pick goggles. We go through this all the time, and I think it's entertaining. It's, you know, whoever plays Sam's off the, the, the first week always makes it really interesting to say, hey, we're not going to go ahead and debate anything like this. I'm just going to go ahead and mark we're down for all three of the uh, the picks there. But we're, I'll let you get your pick before I jump into the next fun segment called Dan's Statistical Drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with me, obviously. I mean, for Sam's team, he's 
you know, there there really isn't much to say. He Debo has come on on plates, so that's exciting for him. If Debo, Godwin, Carson Wentz, and you know maybe some random dude go off, this could get a little feisty. But yeah, I, I like me this week as well. So going into the fun statistics. So uh, according to Sam, Sam has been picked against by myself eight times, by Ruth five times, and against and we're eight times. I'm seven and one when when I do not pick Sam to win. I'm we're Ruth is five and zero oh and we're seven and one. So we've only been burned one week by not picking uh, Sam with this. I don't think that statistic changes. On a scale of one to ten, how confident are you in that stat boy? When all three of us pick together, we are fifteen and one. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the next one. And that would be Mr. Ruth versus Armand. Um, Tanking for Burrow, I mean Tua, and Captain Mayfield. Who do we got in this one? Um, I've got some bad buys, actually, this week. No Allen, oh. no Diggs, but... And no Damian Williams, which is probably a good thing for me. I'm going to lean my way. Um, Baker has the best matchup of the week, so I think it's going to be a huge week from him, so... I'm going to lean my way. I think this week is relatively interesting. I'm going to take Ruth as well. Um, I think this one will be closer than what we seem to have it going as. Any particular reason why you think it might be closer? Um, um, I think when you look at the specific matchups that, uh, that Armand has, Alvin Kamara against Carolina looks like a pretty juicy matchup. Cooper Cup against Baltimore is pretty juicy as well. Um, if Alshon Jeffrey plays against Seattle, could be relatively interesting. Um, and heaven forbid we actually have a Taylor Gabriel sighting against the Giants. I think that might be the most upside but lowest floor way to play. Fair enough. Yeah, I I think this is pretty favorable favorably in Nick's match and Nick's side of things. I expect him to win, um, but. I understand the apprehension because crazy things happen. So I get it. I didn't really contribute anything to that one. No, it's good because that's because that actually segues me into the hey. So what actually happens when Ruth picks himself? Well, actually, Ruth picks himself uh, two out of three times, and he is relatively wrong most of the time. So this could be very interesting in that pick. Mm, the reverse jinx you're saying is is in effect. It it absolutely is according to the statistics that Dan's done while drinking wine tonight. Mm, I love that sponsor. All right, um, so let's move on to the next one, and it's going to be Dan versus Chris. Cold Steel and Sunshine versus Island of Misfit Toys. How are we feeling about this one, gentlemen? I'm gonna lean Dan. He has Christian McCaffrey who. His team can score three points and still breaks 30, which is unheard of. Um, his quarterback matchups aren't great. Josh Allen's got a really tough matchup. Um, the rest of his running backs have pretty tough matchups too. He actually doesn't have very good matchups at all. Let's just go there. Uh, <laughs> nope. But I mean, actually, it's to go back, I see uh, Austin Hooper's in the lineup. Is he supposed to play this week, Dan? I don't think so. There, there's an outside chance they're saying that he could play this week, but in the event that he doesn't, I do have audible backups to go to um, okay. that I would feel comfortable with. Yeah, I don't see him playing, but that's me and everything I've read. Um, if he does play, then Dan's heavy favorite, but I'm going to lean Dan. I just don't think Chris has enough firepower to go against Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I mean, Chris is obviously moving and shaking, so who knows? His roster could change a bit before this game even happens. But as it stands right now, you got to like Dan's chances. I mean, he's arguably the best team in the league right now, and he's going up uh, even with some buys at hand. I think he can pull this one out. I do have one question for you, though, Dan. What's before up, brother? you jump in any crazy yeah. stat. If Mitchell Trubisky gets benched, is there any thought to chase Daniel over, I guess, Josh Allen? No. no? I, I'm going to live, okay. eat, and breathe by the Josh Allen train. Okay. Um, 
he he had a great week last week. He had three total touchdowns. Uh, um, he almost, almost, and this is again the ongoing joke of this fucking podcast, where I say Josh Allen's gonna break, gonna break three hundred yards. He's not going to this week. He has a you rough sure? matchup against Denver. Um, but at the same point in time, it, he came so close to two hundred fifty-six yards. But he had three total touchdowns. He was a uh, he was a man amongst men this week and taking care of business. I. You know, if you both picked me, I'm gonna pick me again. We're 15 and one when we all pick together. With with part of this, I'm gonna take myself and try and strengthen the odds um, in my favor. No mile high miracle. I, I mean, I no, I trust me. I'm I nothing would make me happier than to watch Josh Allen break 300 yards. He doesn't have to throw a touchdown. If he breaks 300 yards, I stop looking like the ass of this. As we when we go through a later podcast about all the shit that we were wrong on, this is just another week where if I say Josh Allen's going to break 300 yards, that he's not going to. All right, fair enough. Let's move on to the next one, and this one. Again, it's another matchup that could change a lot, especially with the trade deadline looming and potential deals happening. We have Sauce versus Flash Gordon, Stefan versus Steve. The S's are playing each other. How are we feeling about this one? I'm going to lean Flash Gordon. Um, looks like Sauce has been trying to trade some pieces. Mm-hmm. He's basically mathematically eliminated. I think he he's is. He's 100%. 100% mathematically. No, he's he's actually not. I did the math today. Um, oh, there's six yes, points left, and he needs there's seven. Six he's down seven. Nope. Or, no, yep. he, or Sauce yes. is eliminated. Yes, my apologies. Yes, yes Sauce is eliminated. I'll, I'll blame the wine. Yep, go ahead. So, I'm going to lean Flash. I think Sauce is going to get some trades done this week. And I think Flash just has the better, better team this week. Um, the matchups kind of favor him as well which helps so yeah i'm gonna lean flash in this yeah for me the only thing that really scares me about the matchup for flash is the quarterback situation that stefan finds himself in um i think it's the detriment of this team right now and uh, you know with goff just just taking so many steps back it's frightening and Jacoby Brissett, he's he's been good. He's obviously been good all year, but I think I don't know if he was just sluggish from coming back with the injury or what. But he didn't look himself last week, so it'll be interesting to see how they come back and produce this week for him. Yeah, I'm I like the Nick Chubb matchup again. Cleveland's going up against Miami. I think Nick Chubb oh, yeah. feasts. On the flip side to that, though, I like the Devontae Parker line. Devontae Parker has really come on of late and had arguably one of the better seasons. In, I mean, just in general, he's been a top, what, 20 wide receiver over the last three weeks um, to get this all done. I also think that Zach Ertz has a really, really nice matchup this week. Um, I think Zach Ertz can exploit the Seattle defense. Um, I'm going to take Flash Gordon in this matchup. Yeah, I'm going to take Flash Gordon as well, but... I think it's going to be a very close one. Um, ironically, so I'm seven and one, one picking Stefan. Roos four and one. Weird. You're actually four and four, one picking Flash Gordon. Um, I don't know if that's a positive thing or not, but it's a. Uh, you know, you've, you're four and four, one picking them, and it's it's a it's a little interesting. That could be a small kiss of death. Hmm. I'm the black Delilah. I like this. Anything else on this matchup before we move on and get to the juicy ones? No, I mean, there is a lot of buys for Flash that's going to hurt. Yeah, um, the, buys, the buys will definitely hurt a little bit. I think if it's going to live and die by Sauce's wide receivers, if they all can perform basically like they did last week, I think they carry them. Shark, Julio, and Thomas are yeah. unbelievable pieces. Yeah, those three are really, really dirty together. Um, the other piece that I'll share with as we get into this, so overall standings for the Pick'em, we still have three outstanding weeks from some individual that we won't name who hasn't submitted their They're recaps. They're literally in my work desk on a post-it. So overall standing so far, uh, in second place, Mr. Ruth is 20-10 and 10 with a 66.67 matchup. Mr. Weir is 31-17 and 17 with a 64.58, and I'm 33-15 with 68.75%. Um, 
when Weir and I do a podcast together, we're nine and six in collaborating with specific ones. But when Ruth joins the equation, we get a little bit better um, as far as they all go when we all agree we're 15 and one. You're welcome. Yeah, so, so Ruth obviously adds an additional piece into this podcast that we can't replace. <laughs> um, however, when Ruth and Weir pick against me, they're one and two. When I pick with Weir against Ruth, we're three and one. And when I pick with Ruth against Weir, we're two and two. So unison and agreement is what we need to look at as far as how we want these last two matchups of the weeks to go through. Mm. And these last two matchups, they're the matchups of the week because they're basically pseudo-playoff games. Um, let's start with, I guess, in the Marvel division. And that would be Zane versus Jerry, three blind mice versus Z. Um, this one really, I mean, it's not 100% a playoff game, but, I mean, Jer could technically clinch if he gets three points and Zane gets nothing. But when you look at the point situation here, um, in terms of the, the second tiebreaker after victory points would be points scored on the season, Zane has a considerable advantage over Jerry. So for Jerry, you've got to maintain the victory point advantage, and it starts this week with getting a win. Um, it's So, th- I mean, that's kind of the preamble here. Um, how are we feeling about this matchup and these two teams as Week 12 is upon us? So diving into it, Jer has atrocious matchups. His bread and butter has been Zeke and Aaron Jones. They're both going against top three running defenses. Yep. It's not going to help That's him. It's not ideal. But Zane has amazing matchups. So I'm going to lean Zane. Um, I think a lot hinders on Zane's injuries. There's rumor Lockett doesn't play. There's rumor Ingram doesn't play. Mm-hmm. He needs those. He doesn't quite have the super deep bench, especially with Kyle Rudolph, who has become a godsend lately for some reason on bye. He's basically going to have to pivot to Goddard if Ingram doesn't play. So it's not great. But I'm going to lean Zane. If his guys are healthy and play, he's just got unbelievable matchups. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I got to go with Zane here. Um, look, at the end of the day, all fantasy matchups, like the favorites have more times than not, no better than like a 75% chance of winning just because it's a crapshoot. So this matchup, when I look at it, I think Zane has, I don't know, about a 65% chance on winning, maybe 60%. So pretty good odds, but it's not an overwhelming shoe-in decision that Zane's going to lock this up. Um, I think for Jerry, this becomes... He's kind of in a rock and a hard place. I mean, does he get aggressive maybe with a trade or two? Because for both these teams, if you lose, you potentially know you're out of the playoffs and you could maybe pivot to selling before the trade deadline. So do either one of these teams maybe try to go for it a little bit and if they lose this week they be like just kidding let's sell someone um that'll be interesting to watch before this this week or before their matchup happens um because i think for jerry he's he's got pieces that aren't necessarily the most reliable but they are capable of producing so i think if jerry can find the right combination of people to start i think he's got a chance but yeah, I'm going with Zane, and I've said all season Zane's going to make the playoffs, so I've got to I've got to stick with this. I'm going to jump in real quick. There's one thing we didn't talk about, and that's the Marlon Mack injury. Good point. Broken hand. Great point. Just had surgery today, I believe. Yep. Broken hand, probably four or five weeks minimum, especially running back. Not according to the doctor. The nope. Oh, not according to the doctor. The doctor says that this could be. He has surgery today. The surgery actually helps with this specific style injury, his recovery. We're not going to see him this week. Jerry's out Marlon Mack this week. There is an outside chance, probably about a 40% chance, that we see Marlon Mack next week. Interesting. All right. So let's say, I'm going to just say, hypothetically, he sits the next two weeks, all right? That's reasonable? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Yeah, absolutely. 
Week 14, Buccaneers, number two run defense in the league. Week 15, Saints, number three run defense in the league. I'd be like, hmm, my hand hurts. I need to sit for <laughs> two more weeks. Even if he comes back, that is murderer's row. Um, so I think that's going to play a huge part into it. And I already said I lean Zane, but even on the future outlook of playoffs, I think that leans Zane heavily. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. All right, time, I think, to, time to hit what, you guys with some statistics. One thing before you do that. All right. As I'm looking at, like, the start sets and, like, you know, one spot that I'm just really curious about, like, you know, what each team's going to do or not do in terms of who they're going to start. Um, for Jerry, the most interesting one that I see is Cameron Bright. Um, Frickin' um, O.J. Howard is in the doghouse and not getting the playtime while, you know, uh, excuse me, Cameron Bright is being the love child of Jameis Winston that he's showed to be last year and at times this year. Um, Jack Doyle's been a little bit disappointing. If it was me, I'm going Cameron Bright 10 out of 10 times in this matchup. Um, for Zane, the Bears running backs, you know, it's it's a bold choice, and you can ride or die with them, and it might work out, but... Uh, if I had the choice to only start one of them, I think I would do it. And, you know, I would consider other matchups if I had the option. So those are my only start set things that worry me with those matchups. Continue with your stat right. discussion. So, so I would like to hate you a little bit for stealing my thunder on the Cameron Bright discussion. I'm oh, all aboard that. I'm all aboard that piece. Um, I think that becomes a very interesting piece, especially if they're saying Evan Ingram is going to go this week. Um, the question is, is, is he actually going to go? They're also saying Sterling Shepard's going to play this week, which means Darius Slayton takes a massive step down on Zane's roster, which is interesting. Um, when we look at actual pick-wise, so Weir, when you have mm -hmm. picked Jerry, you have picked against Jerry six times so far. You're 4-4 four and four in actual projections of his matchups. That way you've been right four times and wrong four times. When you go through and you pick Zane, this is the Achilles heel for me. You've picked Zane one time correctly, and seven <laughs> times you've actually fucked him over and had him lose. I think that's a massive, massive discrepancy in, in all part of this, as you've picked him to win six times, and he's one in seven against where you are. From a matchup perspective... You're right. Aaron Jones and Ezekiel Elliott, the, the two bread and butters of his team, have atrocious matchups. But Zane also has Aaron Rodgers. That's a rough matchup. Tariq Cohen found a found an opening here, which which plays extremely well. Lamar Jackson has a great matchup. Is Tyler Lockett going to play? I think that's yes. But watching DeAndre Hopkins as well as Zach Pascal come back on short weeks, I think this is interesting. I'm going to bet against you two guys. I'm going to take Jerry in this matchup. Um, I think this is close. I think we're within five points here. But uh, but tickle me fancy against the matchup here. I'm going to jump in on the camera, Bray. I think that was 100% anomaly. His highest career targets is six. He had 14 last week. Are you fucking kidding me? He... Well, I mean, in fairness, just before you go on this, right. it sounded like O.J. Howard was completely benched, saw no more snaps after... The first interception of the game was by James Winston, but I don't know if any of you guys saw the replay. It was O.J. Howard just being, I don't even know what the fuck he was doing. He's terrible. He 100% caused an interception. So it's inter It's just, I'm curious if he's going to actually have a role this week or if he's really in Bruce Arians' doghouse. And if he is in the doghouse, I think maybe not 15 targets or whatever it was will be a trend, but maybe it could continue that he'll be... If guys take away... You know, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who does that open up? It's not any guy out of the backfield. It's Cameron Brait. Yeah, but you have to take away the number two and number three wide receiver in the league this year. It happened last the week. Have done. Yeah, last week they were terrible. Winston was coughing the ball up to anybody who was near him. I think that's an anomaly. Not an anomaly, but I think it's a bounce back because he's got a much better matchup. Yeah. Um, I don't like Braid. I don't even think I would tickle that. I think that was 100% anomaly. So, but you think Doyle's 100% the right call to go over him? 
No, I think his tight ends are terrible. They're like mine where you just hope and pray. Right. But but I would not start Braid. I would go Doyle over Braid, even though okay. Doyle had zero targets last week. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, Doyle kind of, I mean, maybe on the, he went on the way flip side in terms of that being, um, you know, not a likely outcome in the future. But he kind of shot the bet there. He did. I mean, the one piece you could look at is Jimmy Graham. If you beat the 49ers, the one place they're giving up a lot of points is the tight end. Um, so that is an option. I wouldn't like it, but with the matchups he has, I would start Jimmy Graham above the other, what, four, three? But that's me. I'm just going to spitball here. Does this team not make a lot of sense for Greg Olson? Or am I crazy? I think there's a lot of teams that make sense. Um, tight end position sucks. It's pretty barren. It's a crapshoot every week. You just pray your guy gets a touchdown. But yeah, Jared's team would certainly benefit from a Greg Olson. But see, that's why I think it's perfect. If Jared does lose this week, though, and does acquire Greg Olson, he could just flip him then after this week to a, another team that needs him. Anyways. It's a, it's an interesting piece. I New Orleans gives up a little bit of yardage to the tight end, but... I, the question becomes is do you trust the guys that you have and Jerry's arguably made it as far as he had by making a couple moves and trusting in some of the pieces he's put together do we see another move or do we see him stick to what's helped him advance a little bit there I, it's an interesting piece yeah definitely because this one really is feels like a playoff game because next week both Jerry and Zane play Sam and Sean respectively um could pretend or present you mean oh. sam and armand excuse me i have not updated my spreadsheet sam and armand um and that would then lead to basically a pseudo buy for one of these teams in the playoffs um the only potential making up that could be done would be with scoring in the top six but you don't even control your own destiny at that point so this really is kind of the the playoff decider i feel potentially yeah, I agree. Good. It should, this this is one of two fun matchups to watch this week. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our last matchup, and this one is really 100% a playoff game. Uh, Kevin versus Adam. It's right now for victory points, Kevin has 21, Adam has 18. If this lead grows to greater than three, if it goes to four, Adam's eliminated. So Adam 100% needs to win this week. And unfortunately for Adam, he picked the wrong week to really need a win. Because right now we have Patrick Mahomes, Austin Eckler, and fantasy zombie comeback alive. I don't even know what other adjectives I could use. Kenyon Drake is also on a bye. So how are we feeling about this one for Adam? He's definitely... Going uphill. Yeah, I don't like it. Um, you have to lean Kevin. Even if Kevin's starting Driscoll, which I would 100% go Daniel Jones, you you have to lean Kevin. No Mahomes, no Eckler. I mean, that guts him. There's about 90% chance Deontay Johnson and Juju don't play either. That's a great point. Deontay was bleeding from the head, from the ear hole, and Juju died and also got a knee injury on that play. So then you look at his wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders hurt. You go Corey Davis and Golden Tate. <laughs> um, I have to lean Kevin. Um, one interesting piece I think Franchise 12 look at is Noah Fant. Ever since Emmanuel Sanders has, Emmanuel Sanders has left Denver, he's almost at a 30% target share. He's really come onto his own the last few weeks, and I'd find any way possible to get him into my lineup. Another thing going for Adam's favor, Jordan Wilkins. We talked about the Marlon Mack injury, and it's probably not going to be a situation that you're comfortable starting him because we don't really know who his backup is or how they're going to handle the backfield. But Wilkins could see a lot of workload behind a great offensive line. And in a week where he's going to be you know, down some key guys, he's going to have to swing for the fences. You could do a lot worse than maybe swinging with Jordan Wilkins and, you know, that Indianapolis Colts offensive line. 
Dan, what are the the wacky stats for this matchup? Um, so I just to start with not wacky statistics. Jordan Wilkins could actually have a great opportunity to to play this week if he plays. He is he did was limited in practice today. If he plays, he's obviously the leader in the backfield on first and second down. I think everybody gives up touches to Naheem Hines on third down from a pass catching capability. Now, from a pick'em standpoint, when we look at Adam. When Ruth picks Adam, uh, he's picked him twice and picked against him three times. He's Ruth's three and two. Um, when you've picked him, Mr. Mr. Weir, you've picked him five times to win, three times to lose. You're six and two in those matchups. Um, the the interesting piece for this comes to the to the Kevin piece where Ruth Ruth picking his brothers five and zero oh in all of those matchups. Where What's up? where he's gone through and said, hey, like, we're going to take care of business here. Um, I'm going to lean Kevin. I like Kevin in this matchup. I think that even with all of the pieces that are in there with starting Golden Tato, I think it's going to get peppered a ton. There's no way I'm picking against Sam Darnold playing in Oakland. Um, DJ Moore in New Orleans, Kenny Galladay. Uh, I, I like I like Kevin. Yeah, I mean it's it's really Adam just really finds himself in just a uphill battle. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, that Mahomes, Drake, and Eckler on buys, but that's how the schedule shakes out. And who knows? Maybe Adam will find a way to pull through. Yeah. So Evan statistic or Adam statistically is not eliminated from the playoffs. But he still has a very viable chance. But the only way this happens is he has to take three points. He has to win the matchup and finish in top six against Kevin. Well, he could just win the matchup. He doesn't have to necessarily get the the top six. There's an, yeah, The statistics drop drastically if he doesn't take the third point. Right. Um, and then, okay, anything else on this matchup? Okay, going back to the Jerry and Zane matchup, I just want to talk playoff um, scenarios. For Jerry, if he wins and scores in the top six this week, he clinches a playoff spot. If Zane wins and scores in the top six, he will have a two-point lead, and that would mean that he would either need to A, just win next week, or in the final regular season game, or um, have... Jerry not likely, or Jerry also would, or Jerry would need to win and then also get in the top six because Zane is going to likely have the tiebreaker in victory points. So Jerry needs to finish ahead of him in those total points. So a lot of points, and I'm clearly tired because I'm mumbling. No, you're you're right. So it's it's got to be. As far as Jerry winning, Jerry's got to take those three points to eliminate Zane. If Zane gets the three and Jerry gets one and or nothing, Jerry still has a chance from that last matchup, pending that Zane doesn't do anything in week 13. Um, and Zane in week 13, does he play? He goes He's through and plays. Taking for Tua, man. which is really rough. Yeah. That's, a, that's almost a gimme win for Zane. So this really has to be Jerry's opportunity to take care of business. Yeah, the the winner of this matchup is is making the playoffs, and for the other one, if Kevin wins, he's obviously in. If Adam wins, it's still probably an uphill battle. Yeah, he needs he needs a couple key losses and or points to not be scored by specific teams to have a fighting chance. But if he takes care of business against Kevin, which looking at this, neither of the three of us believe he's going to, this muddles things up immensely as far as who and or what is going to finish where. All right, well, we're winding down this week, and this is kind of an impromptu ask, but if you guys had to make a bold prediction, whether that's a result, a potential trade, whatever, anything that you guys want to throw out there as, as the season's regular season's winding down and playoffs are about to begin. This could be either for the league related or for the NFL. Like Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a top five quarterback the rest of the year, or Sam is going to go two and zero the next two weeks or blah, 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 blah. 
Any bold predictions for either of you guys? My bold prediction is Sony Michelle's the top five running back the next three weeks. They just got one of their starters back. I think it's going to be huge. Hmm. I'm gonna I go. Like I'm gonna go a different route, and I'm gonna say Miko Hardman is a top seven wide receiver. And I hate to say it, I think Todd Gurley is gonna be a league winner for Kevin. Hold on, that means he's got to beat me in the playoffs, and I don't see that happening. I said bold, and I went bold. <laughs> well played. All right, guys. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. That's all we can do. All right, guys. That's it for this week. Next week, we'll be back with uh, the regular season conclusion of our league's podcast. And best of luck to the teams that need to get a win this week. And best of luck to the teams that are trying to sell. Hopefully, everything works out for what you're trying to do. Adios.